HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Talk, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. Switch to Talk today to increase your revenue and reach 19 million loyal and engaged guests around the country. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you from the backyard of beloved Bukali in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. This is our 298th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are two legendary restaurateurs, one known for his pizza and the other for barbecue and tavern fare, and I'll introduce them fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round games, industry news, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to find your people. Yes, seek to surround yourself with those who get you and you them. Our family can go beyond our blood relatives. They can be anyone who we love and trust and believes in us those who will be by our side for the good times and hard ones too. So let's embrace those relationships that make us feel good and lift us up. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm super excited to have my guest joining me. The first one is Mark Iacono. He is a well-revered pizziola and owner of Lucali in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, which he founded in 2006 and has since received national recognition much national recognition, I should add. Mark recently opened a new slice shop down the block from Lucali called Baby Luke's. Plus, he's expanded Lucali to Miami. Prior to finding Lucali, Mark worked in construction and focused on granite and marble fabrication. He has starred in multiple shows, including Netflix, Ugly Delicious, The Pizza Show, and Munchies. My second guest is Billy Durney. He is the owner of Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Industry City and Miami and Red Hook Tavern in Red Hook, Brooklyn. After almost 20 years in the security and private protection field, Billy fulfilled a longtime dream of becoming head pit, a head pit, pit master, opening hometown in 2013 to great success, going on to further expansion. 
In 2019, he launched the popular Red Hook Tavern, and he's been featured in national media, including Good Morning America, The New York Times, The New Yorker, Food Network, and more. Without further ado, hi guys, welcome to the show. Hello, dear. How are you? <laughs> Happy I'm to good. be here. That was some intro. I, I'm a, I'm Un, we're undeserving of that intro. I, I did I, like that. As, soon, did as, like, as soon as she said legendary, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you have to be at least 85 to be considered a legend in yes. everything you yes. do. Iconic. But I did like I did like the point you opened up with as far as family doesn't have to be um, blood necessarily. I think that that actually speaks a lot to Mark and I's friendship and how it's grown so quickly uh, that, you know, I'm you know, speaking for Mark but obviously I consider him family and a brother and I love him like my own brother and you know so it doesn't always have to be blood so I thought that was a very interesting way to open the show because that's pretty much exactly how I feel about Mark well little Billy took the words right out of my mouth (laughs) I I really was going to touch on that but (laughs) he did it first go ahead he's much more you know well when I I came up with my tip I was inspired by you too, and what I thought I from somebody observing your relationship, that's where the tip came from. So no, definitely hit home for me. So. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad because I I do I do love seeing your your brotherly love that you share for each other, and it's um it's really nice. I think it's special. It's some something I think that is super important, especially in this industry. Yeah. I'm learning more and more about it, and it's you know it does. Uh, kind of have a little bit of an ugly side to it and to have someone like Billy in your corner um, makes me feel good <laughs> yeah so how did you two meet Billy was a stalker <laughs> that, that, that is 100% true I, I, was, I, was, I was a stalker but no I'm only kidding too, but, but you know, he no, might I'm not joking, be the I'm only joking. one <laughs> no, yeah, yeah no Mark has many stalkers I was I was uh, I was the original OG stalker you would not know. I think we no, bumped no. into each other at the Franks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I think that is the first time we... I mean, obviously, I knew of Mark. I was I was one of the first customers waiting outside on those lines or, you know, trying to get in the restaurant. Before I was ever in the restaurant industry, when I was in my other business, um, and I, I've told Mark the story. I remember it vividly, too. I, my, my, One of my best friends, Danny Quigley, and I grabbed a six-pack of beer at the corner store, and Mark's looking at me like he don't remember the story, but I feel like I told it to him multiple <laughs> times. Um, well, I haven't heard it. And and we sat at the table that's right next to where the bathroom entrances entrances. And I made sure that it was like one of the first times in my old industry. You know, we never sit with our backs to the door, but but um, but I sat with my back to the door just so I can watch Mark make the pizzas that night. I happened to be he was here and he was making the pizzas and. Um, you know, I saw him rolling out pieces with that wine bottle and just, I was, I had the, the, the hook, the fishing hook in my, in my, uh, jaw from then. And I was, I was all in and I couldn't believe it, it was one of like the most like revolutionary nights of dining ever. And I was like, holy crap, where did this guy come from? How did this all happen? And, um, and that was it. I became a fan from then and we didn't know each other then, but I was, I was so I was I was definitely I was in the stalker category. Um, Around when was this? Was this before you opened Hometown? Uh, this is probably two thousand and seven, or you know, two thousand. Like you opened okay. in two thousand six. Six. Yeah. Six. So it was in two thousand. When? What? Do you remember the month? October. Two thousand. Yeah. So so that it was like it was it was right after that. It had to be right after that. 
I don't remember, uh, you know, it was it was very. I was definitely early, early on within the first almost fifteen years ago. Within the first within the first few months, yeah. I was here. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. So I, I yelled at my hostess that night. When did your brother open in? <laughs> because she put such a you know this big guy at the, at the smallest table in the restaurant. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I was a big, a much bigger version of myself yes. then. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I wasn't. I wasn't yet. No. No, no. I got big after uh, after opening hometown. And I'll, I don't, no, I'm, I'll never forget my my oldest brother when when Billy had opened up down there. You know, came here. and was like, yo, I just went to this amazing barbecue place. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. And uh, I finally went, and I'm not sure if I knew you then. No, you didn't. But we were out of everything, right? Except like one thing. Yeah, like <laughs> like I, you know, I I didn't know that you know he sells out every night, and uh, and I got there, um, and I heard about the lines. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna go late at night, try to avoid the line. You know, sometimes like I would jump out from behind the table, like around nine thirty, you know, and just want to get something to eat, and then you know. Says, I'm going to check out this hometown barbecue and I get there and I was like fuck I was like the only thing left that they had was a turkey sandwich and I bit I want to I, you know I was like all right give me the turkey sandwich and I remember biting into this thing I was like this is like one of the best things I've ever eaten it I have that mm-hmm. list and this sandwich is now on it and I was like god if the only thing left on the menu is this good god only knows what everything else is like yeah and I became hooked yeah, well, my experience the same with both your restaurants. I mean, definitely I've become hooked and been to both several times. And there's something, I mean, you're both legendary in what your craft, I would say. But take let's take take us back a little bit to how you guys got started making pizza, doing barbecue. Because, I mean, just from the little I know, it looks you both grew up in Brooklyn and you both were in other careers and career changers and... Like, how did you, how did you learn to make pizza? How did you learn to smoke meats and decide to open your own restaurants? Yeah. So for me, for me, it was traveling. I, I, in my previous career, I got to travel around the world and, you know, domestically often. And, um, you know, it was a trip to South America watching these gauchos cook uh, an animal over live fire, hand cranking the animal over live fire that just kind of rocked my boat. Um, a year or two later, I was I was doing some work in uh, in and around Austin, and I had heard about this restaurant called Louis Miller Barbecue. And it's a tiny little kind of one light town called Taylor, Texas. And I said, "Oh, I have to go check this place out." I really didn't eat a ton of barbecue. I mean, when Mark and I grew up, barbecue is a, a, an event you go to, not a cuisine style. So, um, so barbecue is a little foreign for me as far as you know. I didn't realize that they smoked these meats for 14, 16 hours a day. And um, so I went to this place and I literally took one step in and I was, I was, it was, I was so overwhelmed by it. And I don't know what came over me, but I just said that, I literally said that day, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And um, I remember eating the barbecue and being just, I mean, the hairs were standing on my up and I knew that this was like a calling. And I came home and you know, several weeks later, I, I talked to my girlfriend, who is now my wife for almost 10 years uh, at the time. And I said, listen, I, I'm cons- literally considering stopping this really successful career I have and 
open up a barbecue restaurant and instead of her saying like you're absolutely out of your mind she was like all right well let's give it a shot and that was it i spent the next two years basically researching traveling around the world eating wood-fired food from all different regions and countries and i came back home and i was it was the most sad i had ever been actually because i said you know, yeah, barbecue in North Carolina is great. Barbecue in Texas is great. Barbecue in Kansas is great. All these places are great. But at the end of the day, that's not who I am. I'm a street kid from Brooklyn. What do I know about what those people in the South are doing? I don't know anything. So, you know, I took a lot of soul searching and I said, you know, I, I'm going to, I learned the craft. I'm going to learn the craft. I'm going to do, you know, stick to trying to make the best barbecue I can, but I'm going to, um, but I grew up in the most multi-ethnic, beautiful, um, culturally diverse city in the world. So with the most culturally diverse people. So I wanted that represented on the menu. Um, so I said, I'll use these old archaic ways of cooking meat on live fire. Um, and I'll spend the time honing that craft. But at the end of the day, I just want to, um, represent Brooklyn and represent the people I grew up around so you'll find everything from Korean sticky ribs to Vietnamese wings and Jamaican jerk baby back ribs and so on and so forth and obviously I give homage to Texas with the beef ribbon brisket and um, but at the end of the day I want you know pastrami bacon and those things to really sing because those are the things that are represented most uh, for my soul because I grew up a kid street kid here in Brooklyn yeah, amazing. And what about you, Mark? <clears throat> um, um, me, I think it's the total opposite of, of Philly. Um, I was kind of like in a bubble. What was the question? <laughs> well, how, how did, you switched careers yes. and, and you, I mean, what inspired you to open Lucali and, and how did you learn to make pizza? Um, well, switching careers, you know, I was, It all started with like, you know, there's a lot more to the story that I tell, usually. Um, um, you know, the, the, tra the transforming of, of my two careers, um, I don't really know how to explain this. Like, um, it, it started with me opening up a pizzeria and I was gonna open up a pizzeria and I was gonna keep my regular nine to five and have guys working for me. Um, it was a the build out was a passion project. Um, it took me two and a half years to do. Um, it was more about that than the pizza first. Though yeah. I, you know, I, you know, my whole life I spent building for other people and and their designs and everything. And uh, now it was it was something that I wanted to do. It, it was more of an architectural thing, believe it or not. Yeah. In, in, yeah. The, in the very beginning, and then it transformed into me starting to become becoming passionate about pizza and you know it was you know i really wanted people to come say hey look at this beautiful place i built not look beautiful. at this amazing pizza i make you and, know and the lighting and yes yes <laughs> and and then it just totally totally morphed into what it is um it, it wasn't a plan um like i says and and here you had billy traveling the world um someone once mentioned to me you know my a lot of my success has to do with like that whole ignorance is bliss. You know, I was totally ignorant to the restaurant industry and the food world. Like I said, I was in my bubble. I, I never really traveled. Um, 
the food culture, uh, the pizza culture. I just, you know, you know, Billy had mentioned how there were all these different nuances and, and diversity in uh, food, especially in New York. Um, pizza, there really wasn't that much diversity, and um, so I, I guess my um, vision of pizza wasn't tainted. You know, um, and me growing up in all these pizzerias, you know, and you know, all over Brooklyn, you know, I would I would just grab little nuances of um, different types of pizzas from different pizzerias, and then one day a friend just brings to my attention this guy, Dominic, the Farah. Yeah, he's like, you gotta go, you gotta go, and. I, I, I went and I ate his pizza and I was like here's this guy making New York style pizza but it just blows everybody away and that you know I, and again I, I'm not a food person I'm not a chef I, I'm construction worker still at the time and I was like you know and I'm sure Billy will agree you know what you grow up with, nothing is better than what you grow up with. Like, you know, Court Pastry on Court Street had the best cannolis and Nino's had the best pizza and, and you know, the Pinell store. Like, that's what I grew up with and it was better than any other places, you know. And then that made me start thinking for the first time. Like, you know what? I've been living in a bubble, mm -hmm. you know, South Brooklyn. And, and it can be better. Yeah. And, you know, and if I'm going to make pizza, it has to be close to what this man is doing. And, you know, that that's how it all came about. Yeah, I've been out to Javara just once, but um, yeah, it was very much worth the, the pilgr pilgrimage out there. Mm -hmm. um, very special experience. And that's not far from where I grew up. So I was, oh. I was, I was onto that since I'm a kid so it was that in Spumoni Gardens and we basically mm -hmm. go back and forth between that and then and, and LMB was and another LMB, big one for yeah, me yeah. so why do you think or what do you attribute your your success or your I mean to to the point where you both have high demand I mean you were even saying yourself like when you went to hometown you you know didn't realize all that would be left was a turkey sandwich because of the popularity and here at Lupali it's like you know you have uh, there's a system you got to get there early get in line um put your name in and because people love your pizza and you have celebrities that come here and I mean there's a lot of hype around both of your places so I guess the question is like, what do you attribute that to? I think I think what Mark and I share um, most, and what the public and our and our guests that we cherish so much like about us is um, is our authenticity. You know, there's you see what you what you see is what you get, <clears throat> and um, I think that that goes a long way with guests. You know, knowing that someone really walked the walk and, you know, is willing to put in. And, I, and, you know, speaking for Mark and myself, I think we both share the, you know, I think we both go in deep and dive deep into whatever new thing we're in, involved in. And I think 
you know, even not knowing Mark, I know with me, I, I mean, I just dove deep. I said, if I'm going to make barbecue, I'm going to try to make the literally the best barbecue in the world. And I, and like Mark was saying, he found that Mecca, you know, at the far end Midwood. And I found my Mecca in on Taylor, Texas at Louis Miller barbecue. And I think, um, once you find the pinnacle of what the best is, I think guys that grew up like Mark and I did, we won't take second best. So I think what Mark did was just make a million pizzas. And I would, I would venture to say like most of my briskets when I started were awful. I'm sure every pizza he made starting out wasn't what we're eating today. I mean, but I think the drive and the the care that we knew we had to um, get to before those doors opened. Um, I think, you know, Mark and I are just absolute obsessive with the details and whether it's the design of the buildings that you come into when, whether it's hometown or this unbelievable, stunning place that you come into or the place we're sitting in the backyard right now. I mean, every single, I mean, you're sitting behind wine grapes. You know, I mean, yeah. what backyard in Brooklyn are you going <laughs> to sit behind wine grapes and all these beautiful flowers and there's vines of grapes growing? And I mean, um, you have a wine press. It's like, it's just, it's just the attention to detail, if you really look, um, is just so over, over, overwhelming. And that's, and that's, I think, what, what makes the guests that we treasure so much keep coming and and mm -hmm. and it doesn't die out sometimes you see restaurants i mean mark has had an you know it's incredible run and obviously it's just getting the, the the snowball is getting bigger as we speak um and you know thankfully you know we're very blessed that that's also happening at tavern and, and hometown as well so you know, where we don't let rest on our laurels as well. We just continue to work harder and harder and harder and um, and trying to keep improving what we're doing. And, you know, that's what I see Mark doing on a daily basis. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do on a daily basis as well. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, what's up? Go. Kind of like, not so much stepping away, but growing and having to step away from one place I mean does it stress you out yeah totally yeah yeah I've come to peace with it now um, because I have such a good team I think that's 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 the key like in order for you to to get to you the next move you're you're about to make and you're about to make a lot of moves but in order for you to do that you have to have the team in place that you feel you can feel really comfortable stepping away from it and you know the beauty of the beauty of of our businesses is they're in the neighborhoods we live in, the communities that we care about. So like we're not far from our businesses, and um, so yeah, I, I was I was really petrified even to to walk six blocks away from hometown when Tavern opened. But I have a real you know obviously as you know I spent a lot of time at Tavern now um, and developing that. Um, because I know I have a really strong team at, at hometown, but yeah, it, drove, it, it was it was it was like leaving your baby for the first time, um, and really feeling emotionally like you were you were abandoning that baby. That's how it felt for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you both um, 
well, you both have gone on to do expansion, and it's interesting you both are down in Miami now, my hometown. Um, and I was also, when you were talking, thinking about, I mean, we were talking about the, the character and the ambiance here at Lucali, which is so special. Uh, I have to say, like, Tavern and Hometown also has a really special feel to them. I mean, you the design, the grandness of the Hometown barbecue spaces and, and the Tavern. I mean, it's there. there's something about the ambiance for all your places that just draws people in beyond the food. Um, that has gotten me to take a ferry over to Red Hook and mm. get in line out here. So um, let me ask you my question for my last guest. I had on episode 297, Stephen Hall. He's the founder of Hall PR, which is a multilingual media agency focusing on culinary and hospitality. So he wants to know, how do you keep it fresh doing food that's kind of classic, pizza and barbecue? How do you keep yourselves motivated and excited when producing the same type of food over and over again for so long? Um, for me, um, I try to look at every, because you know, unlike Billy, um, I'm making pretty much the same thing over and over and over again. You know, it's a you know, where Billy's making ribs and uh, burgers and chicken wings and turkey sandwiches. I'm just making this. And I and just... Calzone. Well, yes. But the majority <laughs> of it is pizza. And um, for me, I, it's like... I, I kind of love when there's... When I'm making pizza and there's a null in the action, um, I try to look at every pie as an individual work of art when it comes out of the oven uh, when it gets cut and when it gets dressed with basil um another thing that keeps uh that keeps me going is <clears throat> you know i'm in a open dining room and you know for the most part i know when someone's here for the first time and you know constantly looking for that look on their face when they have that first bite yeah. And hoping that it's like something they've never had before or close to what they've had before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark kind of stole the words for me this time. I, I mean, we work so hard at... So I, I have I have this mantra that I'm, I, I, my life is about chasing excellence and the beauty of chasing excellence is that you can never catch it. But the, but the journey of chasing it is just the most incredible part. And I would say, I don't care if I was only making turkey sandwiches every single day, but if you walk around the dining rooms at Lucali or Hometown and Red Hook Tavern, and I can assure you that Mark hearing that this is the best pizza experience anyone has ever had, or someone saying it's the best burger they ever had, or the best brisket they ever had, or the best turkey sandwich, or whatever it may be, will never get old and no. I think the fact that Mark and I continue to chase excellence and are never satisfied with no. what's coming <laughs> never satisfied <laughs> never yeah, satisfied yeah, yeah. and I'm the same way you know you know I, I got asked by a barbecue interviewer one time like what's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and it wasn't a question about food it was he was curious to what I, and I said how oh, the brisket's going to be good today 
and to this day it's literally the first thing I think about because I know because it's a different thing we're cooking it for 16 hours or every animal is different whereas you know the, the cheeseburger at Red Hook Tavern we have a perfect blend we have it down to a science palafreter helps me blend you know it's all it's all scientifically done and I know you cook it you know for x amount of minutes on both sides and flip it three times you know i mean we have it down to a science where brisket is just this thing that is just it's it never is the same so it's always like so we're always chasing that excellence down every single day and and i agree completely with mark that walking around the dining room and hearing those those things it's it's our drug you know um is is just seeing that all the hard work all the dedication that chasing excellence all day long for all these years pays off when someone says wow you took me out of my day for an hour or two and i just had this magical experience at your place makes us happy to wake up the next day and try to do it better yeah well i stopped by red hook um uh in red hook uh this weekend at hometown and i picked up some brisket and it was fabulous so good the, it's on point still well, that you. makes you get through <laughs> today I, I and feel lose, better. I lose sleep uh, yeah. a few minutes every night. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I love your brisket, your barbecue, your burger, your pizza, your calzone. I'm wondering when I get to try your meatballs because <laughs> I've uh, asked every time I'm here about them and they're like, no, they're not in the menu. So they are. So <laughs> but, so but you know what it I've was? heard, I've heard though. It, it, it's so funny. Um, I had meatballs on the menu the other night and you know my girls are kind of like given instructions like I want to see the plate before you put it in the bin when you move the plate from the table I want to see it and you know just little stupid things that keep us going is like you know I I would say 19 out of 20 times that dish is because it's served in you know a bowl of sauce and uh, that dish is wiped clean. Yeah, well, like it is I mean, spotless. The next time like it's on the they, they did the job <laughs> for my dishwasher, and uh, but again, th those are some of the things that you know yeah. keep you going. Yeah. So both. So talk a little about your 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 new place, uh, Baby Luke's. Um, yeah. Um, what inspired you to? I mean, to are you? Is it is it a growth period for you or both of you? Um, Be believe it or not, more than Lucali. Um, um, like I says, um, there was no game plan. There was no blueprint for Lucali. Right. Um, it was kind of supposed to be a slice joint. Like oh, really? Well, a gas oven, yes, and 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 it it somehow just morphed into this. No slices. You know, I, I, I guess I didn't realize how good I was at design, designing. You know, I was always building, but now I'm designing. And, you know, when it came time for you, I was like, I can't put a gas oven in this place, you know. And, you know, I built a brick of it. Um, it since I was a kid, um, I, I remember there was this amazing pizzeria. It's now closed. Nino's um, a few blocks away. Um, it was my go-to spot when I was younger. <coughs> One of a few in the neighborhood. Um, um, I forgot where I was going. With, well, you're question? talking about we were talking about um, uh, <coughs> the design of the space, and, and you're putting your heart into it. And, and oh no, you and you asked about uh, baby books. Yes. 
um, a, you know, and I remember eating in these pizzerias and as much as I loved them, and Billy will tell you how much week I was like, if they only did this, it would be so much better. If, you Even know, with my food. Yeah. Seriously. You <laughs> do that? No, you tell me sometimes. Oh, man. Oh, and you. you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's love. what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with growing. I don't think, I, maybe Billy realizes it, but at the time, I, you know, um, someone wrote an article um, and they said, what, like basically what's ordinary to me is not to others. And then I started realizing I grew up in this neighborhood in Brooklyn and, 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 you know, these really amazing restaurants, but you know, it was ordinary. It was what we ate on a daily basis at the, at these restaurants. And, um, that disappeared and New York, uh, I don't know if I want to use, uh, or Brooklyn gets uh, a different animal moved in. And, you know, I, I saw people flocking to these places that, you know, like, why are they going there? You know, places are right. But it was ordinary to me. Yeah. But anyway, you know, back to, to your question. <laughs> I, kind of, I have a tendency to get sidetracked. Um, it's, since I was a kid, I was old wanted to open up a slice joint. Um, Lou Cali was supposed to be that. It never happened. And now I'm doing it. Now you're doing it. It's great. Yep. Yeah. I stopped by there the other day. Yeah. Got some slices. It's great. I, I was supposed, this was supposed to happen, I want to say four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. I was signing a lease on Court Street. Right when I was about to sign it after, you know, we, we ironed everything out. Uh, the landlord tried to put this stipulation in the lease where I had to only make vegan pizza. Okay. <laughs> and that wasn't going to happen. Right. And uh, I just waited. And then another location opened up. And here we are. Man, that would have been a... Yeah, right? That would have been a thing. That would have been a thing. Wow. Amazing. Let's take a little break. And we'll come back and... We will play my speedrun game. We'll talk some industry news and my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us as it's all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm so excited to partner with Talk, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. Talk is home to 7,000 restaurants, bars, wineries, and breweries, including Sushi Nas in New York City, which delivers an up-close and personal experience between the guest and chef Nozomu Abe. So I had an incredible omakase solo dining experience at Sushi Naz a couple of years ago, which I talked about on my episode 220. And I had booked my reservation for the sushi counter through talk, of course. My dinner began with six otsumami courses and then 15 pieces of pristine sushi, including sea perch and sea urchin, sea eel, and always a favorite of mine, fatty tuna, as it just sort of melts in your mouth. It's delicious. And this was truly a special experience. To learn more about how Talk powers reservations, events, and takeout, go to exploretalk.com slash join. That's exploretalk.com slash join. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Mark Iacono. He is the owner of Lucali and Baby Luke's in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, and Billy Durney, the owner of Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Industry City in Miami, and Red Hook Tavern, also in Red Hook. Okay, so it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. So I give you choices. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Ready. Okay. Do we go individually or at the same time? There are no rules to the how game about and you how first, you play. First question, then I'll go. We'll do it like that. Yeah. Well, however you want to do it works for me. Okay. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Sunday dinner. At home. That wasn't. I'm like, I'm like what does that mean? That wasn't. Okay. That's Sunday at dinner. Only no. me and you know Only what on that Sunday. Means. Only when you know what that The best means. thing with this game is I've been doing it for so long and that's like a first. I love, I love first. Okay. We should explain what Sunday dinner is though. Sunday supper. Sunday supper. Yeah, yeah, Sunday yeah. Supper. gravy. You make the gravy all day. You make the gravy. I know what this is. Right. So that would have been my answer too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I go first. <laughs> and you could, you'll have more time to think. Thank you. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Depends on where I am. Uh, indoor. Uh, the answer would have been easily indoor, but now with current situations, outdoor. See, yeah, that's what I, I want. You know, if had I had more time to think, that's there what I go. would have said. We have the same brain. <laughs> Ish. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Diet Coke with lemon. Uh, well, the champagne wine differential threw me off. Uh, uh, champagne. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Oof. Who's cooking the tasting menu? Yes. Let's get the question. Yeah. Let's, let's Who make... would you want to be cooking the tasting menu? Mark Iacono. All right. I'm, I'm down for that, too. Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? See, there's another question, right? Wait, who goes is first? it family style? <laughs> like where I grew up eating, or is it small plates? Uh, small plates. Small plates for me, too. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Uh, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Tipping. Me and Mark are where we like to Tippers. Tip. Yeah. Calzone pizza or English muffin pizza? Pizza. Today. Pizza. Brisket or cheeseburger? Oof. Can you pick? Cheeseburger. cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? <sighs> Come on. I know. That's like a given, right? Spread it the Brooklyn way. Brooklyn. Cool. That's the game. That's a good game. I like that game. I can keep going. Do you have any going. more questions? Why don't we give Sherry some questions? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we have another segment coming up. Oh, if you'd like to, go ahead. Um, those are easy questions. Yeah, those are softballs. All right. I have one All for right. you. Yeah. Hometown or locality? No, I'm not going to let you. See, that's a tough question. I know what her answer is already. The, um, no, no, you don't have to answer that. I well, know what the answer you, is. The, the, <laughs> it's 100% start, start, start at Lucali and then go to hometown. How about that? And, I, I, uh, and, 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 and you could be a diplomatic, but I know that And then go to Red Hook Tavern on the way. 
No, I'm a huge I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of no, your restaurants. Don't kidding. don't get me oh, wrong. It's I'm my kidding. favorite. Don't get me wrong. Me and Mark just like that. No, no, no. Bill, Bill, Your Billy, burger and Pat LaFrida, good choice of, of who you're working right with. Right now, Red Hook Tavern is, I think, the only, it, it is the only restaurant, like I tell you, I have a list of best things I've ever eaten. Mm -hmm. And there's maybe six restaurants on that list. Uh, Red Hook Tavern makes seven and probably four of his dishes are on my list. All right. Well, well after, after uh, I want to get more of the intel on that after the show. Which of the dishes, unless you want to tell us now? The andouille with the, the mussels with the andouille, the burger, the clam, and the prawns. Ooh, nice. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, and well, well, still no. I mean, this they can keep going, <laughs> but you know what it is. Yeah. I'm afraid to order anything else when I go there because these are the things that I love, and you know, I'm 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 kind of like a creature of habit when it comes to yeah. food. So you know, still have should to I have give more of the menu. So, should I give everyone a tip on what to put in the calzone when they come here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. Now he knows what I'm saying. It's a private joke. Oh. Okay. And, but we'll have literally every single person we're bringing in here. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how many people listening to the show come in and start asking for that. Okay. So for industry news, an article I picked out in the New York Times. It's entitled "Back to Normal." It's a tall order as New York City restaurants struggle. Diners are flocking back this summer, but owners still have trouble hiring, stocking kitchens, and paying rent. An uncertain time. Uncertain Autumn Looms, and this is by Julie Creswell and Priya Krishna. So I've talked about this on my show previously a lot about the, um, especially about finding sta like staffing issues happening, um, and this just touched on it more with staffing issues, gaps in food supplies, impatient diners a little bit. But as two restaurateurs who've been, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this past year, like the pandemic and getting through that, and then now how you're dealing dealing with it are you are you finding you're also having uh staffing issues shortages and and how how's it going i think it's how a little different survive? from mark and i because mark has mark i mean as you know uh, and most most of the people listening i'm sure know who have come to lucali mark has like an entire team of gals that basically run the restaurant and they some have been with mark since literally day one and so he has kind of like a crew that, so I don't, I don't, I'm speaking for Mark here, but I don't know that staffing issues ever were a serious problem for him. That's front of the house. I'm not sure about back of the house. If it's no, the same. And I think a big part of it was uh, staying, like, you know, once the, the, the lockdown started, um, we stayed open from day one. Mm -hmm. um, so do we. I have um, my thoughts or, or reasoning for it i could be wrong um but we we weathered the storm you know lucali's you know we didn't lose anybody everyone stayed on board it's amazing and and also having someone who's been here and i know what your hostesses have to go through with people getting in line and taking names and yes. it's it's not the easiest job um, no uh sometimes you know I, I i thought about putting a bouncer out there <laughs> you know to protect them but I they're pretty tough i could do they're that pretty for tough. you yeah i could be your bouncer so 
You, you, you know, uh, through the years, their uh, skin has thickened. Yeah. You know, I, I remember back in the beginning, they'd be in the back of the restaurant crying, literally, and I would have to stop, you know, <laughs> uh, making pizzas and go back there and, you know, give them a pep talk and, you know, go out there and put a few people in their place. But now they're doing it. They're fine. <laughs> They're, uh, they're, they're, they're tough gals and they, uh... They weren't in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, well, that, like you said, their skin thickened and now, uh, now everybody's afraid of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it was totally different. Our staffing continues to be a, you know, a really, really hard issue. Right now at Red Oak Tavern, we're, we're looking for a sous chef, a line cook, a garmanger cook, um, you know, dishwashers in both restaurants a line cook in hometown, you know, line cook in industry city. So we're, we're, we're pretty good front of the house on, in, in both places. Um, but, uh, but yeah, back of the house has been a real, real tough grind for us. And it's just a, it's just an amazing, um, accomplishment what the team does on, on a really, uh, short, short staff being so short staff. Uh, so, you know, um, I'm not quite sure, you know, there's all sorts of reasons people give us for why this is all happening or my own personal views on it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, all of it makes sense, you know, whether whether a lot of people left the city or a lot of people left the business and, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of people wanted to stay on unemployment because, you know, unfortunately this restaurant and the restaurant business, the wages, you know, the margins are so tight that the wages aren't what they should be. And at one point, a lot of folks were making more money off not working than they were working. So, and you know, no one's going to blame them for that. So, you know, all these things in one, you know, had, you know, you know, uh, accumulation effect on what's happened. Um, I think that the government, the PPP, definitely was uh, a help for a lot of restaurants. Um, you know that 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 I know and and speak with um, on a regular basis. The revitalization money, you know, hasn't come in to most restaurants. Um, you know, I think uh, Senator Schumer said the other day that over twenty-seven thousand restaurants in New York still haven't uh, gotten the revitalization fund money. Um, so that's that would have been a huge huge help um, to us. Uh, so there's a lot of factors that are going on now, but. You know, we just we just wake up every morning, work hard, and you know, keep team morale up, and you know, hopefully, um, this will this will all get better at some point. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I I, I think it's um, I I think the workforce is going to come back. Um, I think a lot of them right now may be backpacking across Europe <laughs> <laughs> uh, with all that you know, uh, with everything that went on and. Um, I, I think come September, October, uh, we're going to see a swing in the workforce. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard this. I mean, I've heard, Billy, what you've said from a lot of restaurateurs. And any time I talk to any of my clients, they're like, let me know if you know any chefs or, yeah, people are people are looking. So I think. Um, yeah, we're all we're all looking in the same pool. It yeah. doesn't really exist. So and of course, you know we're all looking for not only for any just anyone but really people that fit into 
to what our you know family mantra is and and you know our standards are extremely high in all places you know we're trying to run hometown like a three michelin star restaurant it doesn't look like one but it doesn't mean the standards have to be less so so when we hire it's just not anyone we're really looking for someone who's all in and that can grow within within the organization so did you have a hard time transitioning back am i allowed to ask questions Yes, you are. Transitioning back. <laughs> you know, back good to, questions. you know, we have, well, opening right, back we up. Have. I know, you know, in the beginning, you were doing like, like us here, takeout, and, you know, like I, I stared we at still my, are at home I, I, I built my seating and like, you know, I stared at it for a couple of months before, oh, yeah, you know. I know. Um, well, the answer to your question is, we're so grateful that people come and we still do such an incredible amount of people that come to hometown support us. But it almost, you know, in some ways, because they're not getting the product exactly how I want to, them to get it, just like you, like with. You but know. I'm talking more mentally. Like, well, I'm you, still you know, not there at hometown. We don't right. reopen till around Labor Day um, inside at hometown the way it used to be with lines and so on and so forth, and you know, bartenders and that whole vibe. So to me, it's still like, it's. I'm talking about getting back to the grind. You, you, you know, as and I'm not um, trying to um, be insensitive to what everybody went through during this whole thing, but it kind of was like, uh, bro, what we do, what all restaurants, restaurant owners, what we go through on a day-to-day basis, like we're like. You know, like doctors on call seven twenty four. It's always something. Yeah, yeah. No, that doubt. little break in the action. <laughs> I mean, uh, do, do you feel like like a, a somewhat of a weight? Yeah, a little bit. A different weight was lifted off your yeah, shoulders. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But then another one gets put on. Right. You know. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. You know, you get a little breather, and then all of a sudden, some comes on. And then, you know, the amount of, you know, the the amount the amount of pivoting that restaurateurs have had to deal with in the last 18 months is just mind-boggling and the fact that their teams were able to do it the fact that there's any restaurants open right now is unbelievable it's i think just, the city was super super supportive of that especially with this outdoor seating yeah for sure outdoor seating completely saved i would say a majority of the restaurants but how easy they made it for us to do yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah which hopefully hopefully with the, which uh, you know the new administration will, because so so part of the problem is what's going to happen, right? You can almost see the writing on the wall that you know my my hope is that this new administration that's coming in will not only continue what the prior administration did with the outdoor dining, but not then tax us for having this outdoor right. dining, which eventually is my is, is a lot of restaurant owners' fear is that wow we. You know, we spent fifty thousand dollars to build this structure outside, or whatever it is, because lumber prices are completely ridiculous. Like every other price, everything is ridiculous. Yeah, everything's right ridiculous, now. right? So, I mean, sheets of plywood. How much a sheets of plywood it's when insane. you're in construction? It's insane. It's insane. These planks, I think they're at uh, eighty-six dollars for a plank. Yeah, which would be like what fourteen dollars, yeah, sixteen dollars. Yeah. So, so anyway, my my point is, I'm hoping that you know they don't stop taxing us and making us pay for these spaces. Eventually. Well, 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 I think if they do that, because I mean, I, I think it was like upwards of fifteen thousand dollars to do at one point, and for half of what we have now, 
Um, I think the city's in a position right now where um, with all the seats it's lost with restaurants that have closed down, that's tax dollars that they're losing out on. And in some instances, this has, you know, it's doubled. In some instances, it's tripled the size of some restaurants. And I think that's tax dollars that the city desperately needs now. Double so hopefully, Right, so hopefully, um, I think they'll realize that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we, if we lost, what, 100,000 seats, you know, with, with all the restaurants that closed down, we probably recouped 60% of that with this outdoor seating. And, and, and that's extra tax revenue. Um, so hopefully they realize this and let us keep doing it. Yeah. yeah one thing we, they, and I, I and, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I think it's like, you know, like if we're one of the few major cities in the world that doesn't do this outdoor dining and the people are just eating it up. Yeah. Even yeah. in midwinter, they don't care. <laughs> no, we were full. We were full yeah. most nights in the yeah. middle of the wintertime. I dined out outside when it was like 32 degrees a couple of times. Yeah, but, 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 just but by the even, end, my toes were freezing, but it was like such a special experience. Even the restaurants that don't have good food are packed. Yeah. yeah. I used to you know, love, it's listen, more I, about I the mean, real estate. I used to love going to Montreal in the wintertime, like, or like right prior to winter. It was already winter, basically, temperatures. And eating, you know, out going outside and, you know, you know, being in the backyard at Joe Beef and just hanging out and drinking wine and like, you know, I just listen, I, I just think it's I just think it's a unique dining experience that, like Mark says, happens all around the world, particularly in Europe and not here. And, and for some reason, it's not here. But now it is. And I think that it would be really an injustice for it to ever change. I, I mean, I don't see it going away and I don't think it should. Um, I just hope restaurant tours don't screw it up with with some of the things that they are doing, you know. And I hope they, uh, you know, myself included, um, you know, we need to continue to be responsible for what we put out there, um, not only for the safety of our customers, e even like you know, there are a lot of eyesores out there. It's mixed. But and, uh, I actually have a, a restaurant client that I've been working with, Azatar, that opened a second location in the city. Um, he only has his terrace right now. Like he built his terrace and now he's working on the indoor construction of the space and he got open for the summer. He's doing incredible business. So that's, I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a restaurant in Manhattan before that's opened the outside before the inside, but like- And, and you, you want know. to know something, a project <laughs> this big, you know, um, if you want to call it that, uh, surprisingly went really well mm -hmm. you know and and yeah. the way everybody came together um you know you, you know you you put something like that and you know it's, it, it could have turned into this crazy free-for-all and it didn't you know it's also amazing how it, drew, it definitely drove local economy i mean all i mean you were in the construction business for a long yeah, time that's what, what the construction people do to all, all fall and winter long they like basically they're trying to find the same nut the same all squirrels trying to same, find the same nut now you couldn't get one to do any no, work for you no, in the winter no, time no, because no, they were no, all no, so busy yeah. and you know to their credit they came out and they, they did it in harsh weathers and stuff like that and they crushed it so and, and i also think even without the pandemic i think it's something the city desperately needed yeah um i, I you know new york city i i don't know it, it was going in a weird direction and uh, with everything that brick and mortar places are going to, whether it's clothing, whatever, um, it was kind of like losing some of its charm. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this created an energy that New, yes. York, New York needed desperately. Yeah. And prior to I was eating at King. I was eating at King last week with Daniel Krieger. We went out to King and we were like, oh, let's just take a walk around. We went. We were, we were walking around. Yeah, it was like it was Happy. it was like on fire I mean, yeah like was, the, like it was in the 80s the city you know the know. 90s it was, it was popping off and people were going crazy people were having a good time people were enjoying the restaurants all the restaurants were busy and it was good to see it and there was definitely a, a resurgence of energy in the city like i hadn't seen in a long long time and i think outdoor dining provides that would you agree prior to pandemic no yeah, yeah i would agree with you it was it was you know? not that energy no, you know, and, and and it's 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 also made if you know um, the New York experience more accessible to people because mm-hmm. New York became very, and I'm really talking about more about the nightlife and but and then, yeah, it came more like unaccessible, and now it's accessible. Yeah, well, even with you and your pizzas being that you you people could. Uh, get pizza to go and yes, then, yes, and, yes and you were doing delivery for a bit too you made not, it more accessible to New York but I think yeah. the problem but I know that's a different thing but I was thinking yeah. with accessible like your product itself like you were more mm-hmm. people were able to to get your pizza the um, problem with that is though and I, I'm again I don't want to speak for Mark but and like you said oh I went by and had brisket the other day it, it almost like I almost like like cringe every time someone says they go to the restaurant because I'm not sure what their experience is going to be because at the end of the day you have to order it online still and then you have you get it in a bag and it's wrapped in butcher paper and aluminum foil and it's just not the same experience as going and waiting on the line having the car slice the brisket and turkey and beef but it's still rib. amazing <laughs> I appreciate that but no, it's not it is. to me because it is. it's yeah. not the same there's yeah. no way the quality could ever be the same as it is when you get it cut right off the carving board and it's on a tray and re- and then you know it also yeah. is like and and I give I a billy, but you, you you at 75% is still better than anybody at 100% well, it's, I know yeah. but my and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your you know no I know I appreciate yeah, that yeah 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 but, oh, I but hear, we got to do what we got to do to survive but that's it yeah. Yeah. I have you know I, and I, people and people know I have people a know. lot of no no I do I the do. people know right the customers know no and how like I I you know I'm constantly sticking up for restaurants like people like oh i went here and i ate this i was like and it wasn't you know yeah we're in covid mode you know we're short-staffed where you you know we we have to cut back on on the quality of of things you know we have to do it to survive mm-hmm. and and you know no this isn't what we do on a day-to-day basis but to survive this is what we need to do especially with the staffing problem again i've been fortunate <coughs> billy's been fortunate a lot of restaurants haven't been so fortunate yeah. as us. Yeah, Mark and I are lucky that we have this following and we have the support from you know our local community and people from all over the you know, the country. And that the world that that, that that was so heartwarming um, to see how you know the community gave back. Yeah. To all restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, and showed their support. Yeah, we would have been crushed without the local support. Specific, yeah, both of all the restaurants would have been really in trouble. We were we were very fiscally responsible prior to. That's another thing. So I mean, like as a business owner, it's not only the quality of food and and the service and how special that your team and family is that you work with every day. 
But, you know, being fiscally responsible as a business owner is very, very important, especially to me and our group. So, um, and of course, Mark as well. So it, it's like, we were, we were, we were fiscally, you know, because there's, there's very busy, busy businesses that aren't fiscally responsible financially. And those businesses got went out of business. You know, I'm talking about big, well, I won't name names, but big, well, well-known restaurants that went out of business because it, they, you know, it's it's hard to be fiscally responsible sometimes when the margins get so low. So we we were able to, you know, have you know a good, good, uh, you know, stash of, of finances to like help us soothe the blow if you right. will, for, you know. for, for, for the customer to, to no to, for, to keep employees employed and you know to be able to continue to do business you know listen if you if the pandemic happens and you have no money in the bank because you weren't fiscally responsible you're it out of business yeah, yeah it happened to some people for sure a, a lot, lot of people, restaurants yeah. closed and it's not their fault i mean especially my friends in the city it's brutal it's like yeah. Rents are just ridiculous. There's, there's there's no justification of why rents are so expensive. For and, and in Brooklyn, I think the intimacy with the landlords, like landlords, are still you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I mean, both of, both of my landlords yeah. are like local folks yeah. who grew up in those neighborhoods. And they got it. They understood. And they understand, you know, what it takes for the struggle and 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 what this what the struggle is for the restaurateur. So. I give you guys a lot of credit. I did take, um, I did meet some friends, uh, I guess it was last summer when, when you were open outdoor dining in Red Hook Tavern. That was one of my like first meals uh, or summer meals outside and was fabulous. And, and the fact, yeah, that you've survived this time and are, are moving forward. And the brisket was fabulous, even though I have to say, you're right. Like having, there's a, the, the, well, the experience is just different. It's the same as like ordering pizza, you know, delivered versus being in the restaurant. They're different experiences, but the quality of your food is both of you fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me share my solo dining experience because it's a Brooklyn place I went to that actually uh, was supposed to open back in in March 2020 and uh, was delayed. I don't know if you guys have been, but my solo dining experience this week is at Gage and Tolner. So here's Very the rundown. Very good friends of mine. Oh, cool. Location, 372 Fulton Street, downtown Brooklyn, near the city. Everyone go. Everyone go. The concept, revived landmark dining, an oyster and chop house for the 21st century. The owners are partners, St. John Frizzle. St. John. Wait, okay. okay. Glad you're helping me here. I got, I got <laughs> St. John Frizzle, yeah, yeah. St. John, and Ben Schneider. Yeah. And so then Kim. Chef Sohee Kim. Yeah. And pastry chef, Caroline Chef. Yeah, smaller. So why they go? I love me a good revival. My experience. So um, I went on a weekday. I went as a walk-in, which I was almost I was like, when was the last time I've gone to a restaurant as a walk-in to go to sit at the bar? But I did, and there was luckily one seat at the bar, and the place had amazing energy. I really, I was like very happy to be there. Um, service was great. I chatted with neighbors sitting around me. It was it was a good time. What did I get? I got the she crab soup with blue crab and sherry and I got the GNT Caesar salad and I also had to get dessert so I got coconut cake coconut layer cake uh, with lime curd cashew pink peppercorn brittle and jammy blueberries and I had a club soda my take perfect soup and salad combo it was really great I mean I, I don't I don't really have she crab soup 
ever, <laughs> but I love crab meat. And so it was fabulous. Um, Caesar was perfect. The coconut crate was delicious. Um, I, I actually took a little of that leftovers to go because I didn't finish it and I wanted it. So um, the ambiance, it's a landmark interior with gas lamps and cherry framed wall length mirrors and mahogany tables. It's really, what's cool too is in the back, they have this mirror. And so it looks like the restaurant just goes on and on. Um, I, I really, I really like the ambiance. I'd say it's perfect for solo dining at the bar or going for drinks and dinner with a friend or two. Interesting tidbit. So Gage and Tolner originally opened in 1879 in the same, lo and they've been in the same location since 1892. They had closed in February, 2004. Um, and then they were supposed to open, as I said, in March, 2020, um, pandemic hit. So they got opened uh, just, just recently and um, it, it got a nice a nice write-up from Pete Wells in the New York Times, and it's a designated landmark from 1975. Okay, so personal fun fact, what brought me out to Brooklyn that night is I actually came out here and I went to Baby Luke's and I got some slices and then I hung out a little bit and I walked over there. And I think after all these years of living in New York while well, I live in Manhattan, I've kind of finally figured out how, the little, how all the neighborhoods of Brooklyn are connected. Because <laughs> I used to just pop up on the, on the train and not know where I was. And it's not that far from here. Okay, so the cost of this meal was $47, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. Their website is gageandtolner.com and on Instagram, gage.and.tolner. Okay, so everyone should go. Final question. I'm going to ask you guys to get a question for my next guest. So next um, show I'm having on chef and owner Serbi Sani of Tadmo, which is an Indian kitchen and specialty sweets company. And she's opening a new restaurant in Manhattan's Seaport District in the early fall, coming up soon. Um, I work with, uh, full disclosure, I work with Serbia. She's one of my clients and I'm excited for her opening. So Mark and Billy, um, can you please ask a question for Serbi? Um, I would ask Serbi that um, being a very specific cuisine style, has she, like me, been able to pick up on now living in New York, been able to pick up any of the multi-ethnic, multicultural influences to put into her um, cuisine now? That would be the question. Great question. Do you want to add um, anything to that? Yeah. My, my question was actually going to be like, you know, I, I, a lot of people that, you know, that I have conversations with about Indian food, uh, you know, we talk about Indian restaurants, um, they all tell me the same thing. Yeah, that's not authentic Indian food. Oh yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> point. Yeah, and you yeah. know, will you be cooking things. authentic Indian food? Mm. And if no, why not? <laughs> that's a really interesting question, actually. I mean, it's I have, never authentic. I have several. I have several, several really close Indian friends, and every single one of them says the exact same thing Mark just told me, and they're like. Yeah, but you, because I'm, because I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't really eat Indian food, and they're like, that's because you never had real Indian food. Um, and recently, I ate at one of their, and you know, uh, good, very good sommelier friend of mine I ate in his backyard, and he made some Indian dishes, and they were just absolutely delicious. So authentic, like what's that? Authentic Indian dishes. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so I thought that was really interesting, and there was a lot of cool condiments. I like condiments. Um, there was a lot like of cool condiments. Indian condiments that he introduced to the table that I had never, I had never seen before. 
Um, so Raj, thank you. That was a, that was a really good, good lunch. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I have a feeling that I know the answer to that. I'm sure it's going to be really, really, you know, really dialed in Indian food that's traditional. Do you think the American palate can't handle it? No, I don't think so. I, I think I, I think I think there are those restaurants out there. I just think that you know you have to like have someone who really dines at Indian restaurants a lot to like kind of give you a guide. Like you yeah. and I wouldn't know what. No, I mean I, I I I've only had really two experiences with Indian food. Um, the first one was at Indian Accent. Yeah, and it was a mind blowing meal. Like I tasted yeah, things that I've there. never tasted before, mm -hmm. but. You know, as soon as I started telling people about it, nope, not Indian food. <laughs> I was like, okay, it was amazing, yeah, yeah but yeah. not authentic, not even close. Well, I'm, I'll let Servi answer it, but I, I believe she's she's doing home style cooking, like dishes that she grew up with that yeah. are yeah. are authentic. I think the word authentic gets thrown around a little bit nowadays. Sometimes, you know, it gets a little overused, or, or people people almost like abuse the word like it's not it, it hurts those that are doing the really authentic stuff mm -hmm. um but um i will i will see what she says yeah. to all that wish so. her luck from us oh, i can't believe i uh had such a small tell her we're gonna come eat that yes and i'm excited to try <laughs> it <laughs> and we'll go for indian fabulous yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so and then we'll have her uh we'll do a collab barbecue pizza and Indian food. maybe a calzone would be like calzone yeah we'll make a barbecue we'll, we'll smoke no, we can some do Indian, Indian food and we can do put it in a calzone and we'll do a collab together yes I'm in I'll, I'll promote that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome thank you guys so much for joining me I'm a huge fan I'm honored to have this time to spend with you, both of you I wish you both, both much continued success and um, well I look forward to eating with you too in the future yeah. Well, I have a feeling you're going to be uh, getting a meatball at some point. Uh, yes. Now that you, uh, it's my prize. That you've they're, they're really, really on the fly. Yeah. Like yeah. I just yeah. make them. Yeah. Well, you I'm, know, I'm, when I'm, I have time today, I make them and they go on the menu. All right. How well. it started was me. And I would, I would blend some, some beefs for Mark and just give it to him, and then he'd start making. Well, it started way before that, but. I, then he'd stop making meatballs, and that's how I got to eat them. I'd have to blend them. <laughs> well, um, thank you guys. So my guests today, have, guests today have been Mark Iacono, the owner of Lucali and Baby Luke's in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, and Billy Durney, the owner of Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Industry City in Miami, and Red Hook Tavern in Red Hook. Their websites, lucalibrooklyn.com, babylukes.com, hometownbbq.com, redhooktavern.com, and Instagram, do you wanna? No. Instagram handles, lucali underscore BK. Yes. Baby Luke's Pizza. Baby Luke's Pizza. At Baby Luke's Pizza, at Red Hook Tavern BK, at Hometown Barbecue, and barbecue is B-A-R-B-Q-U-E, and that's like, a, like. B-A-R-B-Q-U-E. Uh, at least in the Instagram. Yeah. yeah. That's that could be a whole show of like talking about how to spell barbecue, but another time. That's true. Um, when when I call Billy on series, like call Billy, uh, what is it? Hometown BBQ. Hometown, hometown. BBQ, and so. also Instagram. We got W Derny and uh, Hometown BBQ Miami. Am I missing anything? 
Oh, that's it. Except mine. Mine at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's BayerPublicRelations.com. SherryBayer.com and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. It's our summer membership drive here at Heritage Radio. We would love your support. We are a nonprofit and we rely on our listeners. So if you can, please go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and designate my show on the industry and many thanks in advance. Thanks to my engineer today, Liam Warner. Thanks again to Mark and Billy. And thanks to our sponsor of this show, Talk. I'm Sherry Bayer. It is our summer break at HRN. So we're off for a few weeks. I will be back on Wednesday, September 8th with a new show. Enjoy the rest of the summer, and thank you all for being part of All in the Industry. Thank you. Thank you. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.